Welcome to Reliability Leader, a podcast about how leaders make organizations that create reliable technology. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Reliability Leader. All right. It was a two-meter-wide thermal exhaust port. What did you think would happen? I have been quoted at some point in time as having said this. So there's two types of people in the world, those who know what I'm referencing and those who can't quote every line from the greatest movie ever made, Star Wars, A New Hope in 1977. So what is this referencing? Eh, Why am I bringing this up? So at the end of the movie, the Death Star, which was the greatest weapon the galaxy had ever seen, was destroyed by a single uh, blast from an X-Wing fighter by Luke Skywalker. And he was told, that this is the quote, the target area is only two meters wide. It's a small thermal exhaust port right below the main port, and the shaft leads directly to the reactor system. And if he can get his blaster shot down that thermal exhaust port, it will blow up the entire Death Star. The greatest weapon in all the galaxy that's supposed to be indestructible. How could it have this one fundamental flaw? And I remember thinking about that. And I remember it being a point of discussion, you know, and we're like, all right, well, it's a plot mechanism that worked, you know, helped the movie end and everything. Then many decades later, um, in 2016, um, Star Wars film Rogue One came out. And there was a fantastic aha moment in this film. They explained why there was a two meter wide thermal exhaust port that led right to the core reactor system will blow up the Death Star. And it was because one of the architects uh, did not want the empire of the Death Star, did not want the empire to succeed and intentionally put that Achilles heel in it. So I was at dinner in 2016 talking with um, some friends and I described my excitement at, you know, having them finally reveal that and they busted out laughing. And I was like, why? And they were like, only you would have had that being bothered by that as a splinter in your brain for 40 years um, you know, that question, how could they have designed a fault like that, you know, only to be so excited to find a solution so much later. So I, it's kind of interesting. There's something there because I think that highlights one of the really fundamental differences between the reliability engineering mindset and the design engineering mindset. And this is something that I come across quite often when I'm mentoring people, you know, new reliability engineers. Because this is something that, one, you want them to have, that fundamental difference, and we'll talk a little bit more about what it is. But you also want them to help instill that mindset into other the other engineering disciplines that they come in contact with. So what's the difference? Well, a design engineer wants design to work. There's a piece of technology, you know, there's an invention, there's something that can be of great value, and we need to make it into a product you know, that works. We need this technology to be functional. And there's a lot of care and craft that goes into that. And there's, you know, a sense of this is my baby. This is something that I'm going to nurture and grow, you know, and make successful. Now, a reliability design mindset is a little bit different. We look at the design as not just being something that can occur 
accomplish what it's supposed to do, have the functionality it's supposed to have. But we want to know what can stop it from doing that. How does it fail? There's a there's an understanding that it has failure modes, and the failure modes are there whether you see it or not, and they will be exposed over time. What if we right now could see those failure modes, understand those failure modes, use our understanding of them to change the design so that these failure modes don't happen or the effects aren't the same? So we tend to end up with those splinters in our mind, wondering why something had a variability in performance, and we can't let it go until we understand it and solve it. The difference with the design engineer mindset is you want to avoid those things that have your, your design not work correctly, right? So these two coming together is where you end up with an amazing, amazing design, right? It's that kind of that pairing of, you know, you have your loving parents, but there's also something to be said for having tough mentors or drill sergeants in your life that will, you know, help you find out the limits of how you operate and how to push them farther. When you have that combination, it's tremendously powerful. And when you look to a lot of products that you are amazingly impressed with, you if you choose to investigate how they were developed and what conditions, you will find that combination. So when I'm talking with people who are interested in reliability or in the reliability profession and I'm interested in developing them, there is definitely one factor where I kind of get this like, this is going to be really good. And when I asked them about their interest in engineering, a lot of them have started out as design engineers, um, you will they'll talk about their interest in you know design and engineering and how things work when they're younger. But they all always have that same thing of, I pulled apart everything I ever could get my hands on. My parents still have a candy dish full of screws that they don't know where they go and they're still waiting for things to fall apart. I took apart things with no concern of whether or not I could put them back together. I took them apart in ways where it broke it. Um, that curiosity was so strong that any consequence of having destroyed whatever it was, whether it was your own toy that you want, you know, that you would hope you would use again or your mom's radio or something, um, it was worth it. It was worth, you know, understanding. And that desire, that curiosity, that wanting to know is still sustained, uh, you know, today. And you've been able to direct it into your career and improving um, designs. So, you know, if you're interested in reliability engineering, stop and think about that. Is, is that bug that bites people, um, design engineers, and they become reliability engineers? You know, do you find yourself obsessing to some degree on why something didn't work or how it could not work? Or why is it always working, right? Because everything has failure modes. If it's always working, then we haven't found them. Somebody else will. What can we do? Um, and... I would say this manifests, you know, one of the ways this manifests in, in product development programs that can be really helpful is the reliability engineer helping with defining really good use cases because that's one of the areas where this becomes evident. Design engineers will want to test their design and demonstrate their design's functionality in relatively nominal use cases. You know, they want it to pass tests. Um, you know, that comes back to that principle of the difference between test to pass and test to learn. Two very different things. Test to pass means you have a criteria to satisfy to go on to the next level. 
So you're going to do everything you can to, uh, you know, help make sure you pass that criteria. Test to learn means that the test is going to generate information that we're going to use as input to, you know, in the case of product development, improve the design. So use cases um, are where this shows up. If your product use case that you've used to design it and will also use to create test parameters and interpret test results is the how you want it to be used or the more nominal values, you have a test to pass mindset. And what occurs then is you do everything you can to make sure the product passes so you can go on to the next levels. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of pressure and schedule to get a product out and get it through the manufacturing development phases and get it scaled up. But what occurs then is you have the unpleasant reality of that. That's not the use cases your product is used in. That's not the things it's exposed to. And nobody's going to use it the way you want it to be used only. Uh, nobody's going to have it in the environment that you want only. So then you're unfortunately stuck in now trying to understand these use cases and reacting to what you found and changing the design. And obviously a very inefficient way when the failures are happening in the field. So the reliability engineer can help shift this mindset within the exercise of helping the team create multiple use cases and better use cases. By better, I mean they aren't just there for the purpose of characterizing what you think is going to happen in the field. Push it right there. You know, use the use case seven ideas where how ridiculous, you know, can it be that this product actually could still be used and, um, you know, and operate? Can you use a lawnmower to trim hedges, right? turn it sideways and hold it, you know, obviously it's not recommend, obviously that's something that you will actually probably advise to not do with instructions and stickers and stuff like that, but it can happen. And there can be things you learn there. You might learn that, Hey, this motor stalls out or leaks gas dangerously when it's on its side. Well, wait a minute. What about when somebody's mowing a very steep hill, um, you know, where they're at a very steep gradient sideways. Could that same thing happen? Could that gas leak out? Could you have a dangerous situation? Could it stall? So these exercises in use case can be really powerful, not just in improving the product, but also in helping the design engineers uh, change how they design and shape what they do a little differently. So, okay, I hope that was interesting um, for you Star Wars fans out there. And everybody else, may the force be with you, and we'll talk again soon. Take care.